What's cracking, everybody? And welcome to episode 103 of the Good Kraken Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anel Pearson, alongside the Queen of Bishon herself, Genesee Gabrielle. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Oh, you know. <laughs> you just how you're living up. Last night was a wild night, uh, and <laughs> Garrett can attest for this. It was uh it was fun. It was a fun fucking night. I think my, my I think my tongue still kind of hurts. <laughs> I think my tongue still hurts from that. Uh, from that, I this, I did this. some face stretches this morning. Oh, dude, my my cheeks by the end of last night's episode were just so so sore, so sore from all of our laughing and bullshit that we were yeah, doing. Dude. <laughs> I can't fucking believe it, but it, it it was good. It's been good. It's been good. Jency, how about you though? What's new with you? You know, I mean, I just saw y'all two days ago. I know, Although I did have hall. a, I did have a yeah. Our town hall was amazing. Um, if you missed it. That sucks, but it'll be up on YouTube soon. We'll be we'll be having up on um, YouTube and podcast yeah. stuff tomorrow. It'll be it'll be good. It'll be good, baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I actually have had a, quite the day in between Thursday and today uh, because Bridgerton season two dropped, and so I watched that thing in like eight and a half hours. Like I only took pee breaks. I only took my dog out to go potty. I didn't eat. I was a shell of a human yeah, being, yeah. so it was really good. I'm living my best life, and I'm gonna rewatch it soon. So yeah, are you, are you gonna be? Are you talking a little bit about that on uh, Hands on Deck today? You gonna be? Gonna be? Uh, actually, no. I well, maybe I have something else that actually has been like my lifestyle this Ooh, week. So I'm probably okay, gonna talk okay. about that like on it, Hands I on like Deck. It. Okay. Um, but we will be having a Let's Get Bitchin' episode real soon, all, all about Bridgerton Season True. Um, so that'll be really fun. I love it. I love it. The one down there that you guys are seeing petting his little kitty is our Crimson Chin himself, Devin's Cherry Blossom. Garrick, be eaten. What's happening, baby? How you doing? Uh, chilling, dog. I was a little almost, I was almost late today. Right, because... right. Yeah. Well, why is that, Garrick? Tell the people why is that. Why is that? Uh, I am almost late today because today was my dog's fifth birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Esco says hydrate. Oh, mm, hydrate. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Esco. Mm. You're the best, Esco. Good morning, Esco. We love you. Continue, Gary. So, yeah. So, uh, my dog's first birthday party. His name is Finn. Um, fifth. Fifth birthday party. Not first. Sorry. Oh, okay, and yeah, uh, yeah. It, is, it is a Marvel-themed um, birthday party. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, <laughs> mm-hmm. we had, we had dog safe, uh, we had dog safe cupcakes for w- after we sang happy birthday to Finn mm. and he's, by the time I got up here, he's open, he was opening presents, mm-hmm. um, but I did, so I didn't get to see him open presents, but he was opening presents and, um, so there's like streamers and like, we literally have like Marvel and like Black Panther, like freaking like table runners and mm. tablecloths, cupcake mm. toppers there's a like six and a half foot tall like spider-man i'm so about this mm-hmm. i'm so about this especially because and spider-man tom holland isn't even that tall so mm-hmm. it's like more than life size it was huge it was like <laughs> it's such a huge balloon and um we invited over my brother and his wife and they brought their two dogs over to the party and then we had some close family friends come over and they have two dogs and they brought them over to the party and so uh yeah all the dogs have just been chilling and have a good time you're mm. fucking judging me no and no. so yeah that's no. that's what i was doing prior to podcasts 
a day for throwing a dog's fifth birthday party. You know I... what? It wasn't just your dog's birthday. It was your child's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's what my wife will tell you. Yeah. Yeah, she fucking will because it's the goddamn truth. Don't yeah. be sitting there judging. I'm, Ernell, I'm not judging hey, anything. I, just, I, I got the I got your grill, so I was cool with it. I, that. It sounds like you had a dreamy day, my dude. Like I, the weather was beautiful. Sweet. We set up like we set up like cornhole and stuff in the backyard because we've got like a set for it. And then like we've just been playing with the dogs and visiting. Oh, and my mom came. She doesn't have any dogs, but my mom just came to visit and like just. But no, we just been chilling. We just well, had yeah. like a nice like a, it was just like a nice. Nice weather barbecue that just happened to be uh, yeah, my dog's fifth birthday. Yeah, let's treat it like I a whole ass that. birthday party. I like it. I yeah, like it. dude, because it, it was a whole ass birthday party. <laughs> you know, like I like listen. I'm, I'm not. I wasn't laughing because I was judging the thing. I was <laughs> laughing because I'm imagining your dog freaking out about everything going on, and he doesn't know I what what oh, any of it th- is. He doesn't oh, have no clue what any of it is. Totally not true, dude. <laughs> He absolutely like he dude. He gets presents at Christmas. He gets presents for his birthday. Uh-huh. He, he knows how to open like like he, we always put his stuff in bags with tissue paper, and he knows those ones are his. Mm-hmm. And so he puts his nose in the bag, and he literally pulls the tissue paper out, and then he goes back in and he gets the toy, and then he shows it off, and then he moves on. <laughs> that is the most precious thing. You like fucking trained your dog. Like a human child, being like, "Look at my new toy." Now, Esco and Chat, you lost me at cornhole. I'm sorry. That's just <laughs> lol. Like, is cornhole not the most white person birthday party thing ever? It is. It is the most white person bar- like a party. Thing, it's a barbecue really, thing. Yeah. It's yeah. a barbecue thing. Yeah. yeah that... We we had it at my graduation. We had it. We had a big family reunion last year for Naomi's family, and cornhole was. And it gets aggressive too. I we like although I will say like our family our family is uh, both of our families are mixed race mm-hmm. so like it wasn't all people getting really aggressive it wasn't all white people getting really aggressive about cornhole it's equal okay. opportunity aggression you know equal opportunity um, yeah competitiveness it's really yeah. like the lawn games get fucking serious at barbecues dude like Hell I don't yeah, know if y'all do. play lawn games but like. We were out here, like, saying some foul shit to each other. It was a really good time. It was very bonding. God too. damn, god damn. That's well, if really you guys nice. want to hear more people say more foul shit to each other, welcome in. Because today we're talking PlayStation being PlayStation. Rockstar by Nickelback. What's going on with Disney? And much, much more. Because this is the Good Kraken Podcast. Your choice for all the nerdy video game and pop media news, reviews, and discussions that you want to hear live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And Saturday at 12 p.m. PM. If you're riding this wave, you can head on over to patreon.com slash show where you can submit questions and topics to show, get exclusive post-show content, and have early access to episodes before they go live on podcast and video services across the digital sea. Yay! Thank you, Gary. But if you've emptied your pockets for the latest and greatest in entertainment, that is totally fine. You can watch us record the show live right here at twitch.tv slash show. If you have Amazon Prime, you also have Twitch Prime. We would love for you to give that to us to help keep us pushing content out for all of you listening or watching at home. But you can also support us by going to our YouTube channel by clicking that beautiful bell and big red button or by subscribing to our podcast channel by searching Good Kraken with an exclamation mark and leaving a review there. Genesee. Yeah. 
We have some captain stories, my friend. Ladies, gentlemen, thadies, and thents, we have the official winner of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands from our charity stream. You guys went the fuck off last night, yeah, beat every milestone we had within minutes of us starting the fucking stream. Uh, and, and one of the things that we were doing last night for our charity stream is offering someone a chance to win a copy of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Basically, we'll be sending you guys a couple bucks um, to buy the game if you would like to. Or if you don't want to buy that game, you can buy any other fucking game that you want to buy. That's totally fucking up to you. But we have the opportunity here to select our winner live today on stream. I have a little clicky clicky wheel thing here. And it is going to be a good time. A good time. You know what I'm saying? Um, wait, why don't I ask me to just allow the access, you fuckers? <laughs> Anyways, I have some wonderful stuff here that we're going to be doing. And right now, guys, we are going to find out who the official winner is of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands from last night's. Every dollar you guys donated gave you one extra raffle ticket. And basically, I did some mathy maths, and I got down some average ratios all the way down to the bare min of all the potential chances that you guys can win. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get started here. Our winner for Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is going to be... Let's click this wheel. Let's click this wheel. All right, let's go. Let's go. Drum rolls. Drum rolls. Drum rolls. And our winner is... Our boy Mike. Oh, Mike, you fucking came in. Mike donated $120 total last night during the stream. Mike came in. It was just a fucking wrecking shop. Mike, congratulations for you. I will be getting in contact with you to help you uh, get this picked out for you. If you want to get Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, please get that. Come play with us because we're going to be playing the fuck out of that game because it's a lot yeah, of fun. It's a lot of fun, dude. Like, we're already talking about playing at some point today. It's going to be... So much damn fun. Esco, Arnell doing match would be worried. Okay, we need to be very, very fucking clear here, okay? I ended college in trigonometry. I don't want to hear anything about you fuckers <laughs> saying that I'm bad at math, okay? I was actually going to say, Arnell's probably the best one here. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't do fucking 42 times 17 off the top of my fucking head. That's at, hard. In the middle yeah. of fucking episode. Like, like I, I could do money math just fucking fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just give me a fucking second. I'll figure it out for you. Okay. Um, I would say I might be able to compete with Arnell, but it depends on the type of math because I didn't, I didn't fuck with trig or any of that shit. But I, I did. I loved it. Not my strong suit, math. I have other strengths, and but it ain't math. <laughs> <laughs> it's throwing math? a good doggy birthday party. That's what your strong suit is. That's 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 a strong. Yeah. I, I'd say that's a, like I would trust you to throw a fucking birthday party. Oh, honestly. by the way, I did I did put a picture in pet chat on Discord. Uh, of when we were singing happy birthday to oh oh my god and you Hold guys can find that in our discord everything right yeah, over there that's gonna be yeah, very good for you guys pets. to check out here uh Esco, i i actually <laughs> be worried because i don't know your life sir <laughs> i love you Esco. i love you so much uh he got more because i did 101 and didn't want to get out dollared <laughs> <This is amazing. laughs> i i saw the 101 Esco, and i was like Oh, Esco's out here trying to like. That's <laughs> <laughs> petty competition. So petty. I love One it. More I love it. <laughs> Your dog got its own seat because it's his birthday. It's his birthday. 
Chelsea's so in love with that concept, dude. I love it. Hey, did love you it. take more pictures? Because I want more. I want to see the. My balloon. wife has pictures from the other angle that shows all the decorations. I will get. I will have them send to me, and I'll put them in the chat. Perfect. Perfect. In the meantime, that. guys. Like, I need this. Garrett, tell people at home what we have next, my guy. You don't know. Oh, he, do, he doesn't shit. know what's no, next. No, I didn't. I did know. I just accidentally muted myself. We have our <laughs> new section, uh, which is the helm. <laughs> like, oh no! I just, I just, I was muted. I was muted. <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to scroll and I hit the wrong button. I fucking love it. Genesaw, start us yeah. out here. What are our first two stories we got for the people? Go ahead and hit us with it. First two stories uh, is Ghostbusters: Spirits Unleashed. A 4v1 asymmetrical multiplayer game announced by Adam Bankhurst of IGN. In Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, you will have the chance to put on a proton pack, grab a ghost trap, and monitor the trusty PKE meter as a ghost butter... Bu <laughs> as a ghost butter... Ghost butter? <laughs> Ghostbuster in a team of four brave souls pursuing ghastly ghosts terrorizing public locations. Alrighty. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ghost Butter. Love that for us. Uh Garrick, are you excited for a uh Dead by Daylight Ghostbusters game? Uh dude, I think I would have been more excited for it if it were left for dead-esque instead yeah the yeah. the asymmetrical multiplayer games like just the inherent competitiveness of them uh is just kind of not for me like i feel like those things get so sweaty so fast <laughs> it's true it really really is true because i mean like I, I feel like it could be fun, but like at the same time, I'm like that. I feel like that right now is so tired. It's such a tired format for gaming yeah, right now. If like, it comes out on Game Pass or like if it's like a free to play, I'll check it out. Sure. Um, yeah. But something tells me this is going to be like a $40 game uh, and I might pass on it. Yeah, if it's more than twenty bucks, honestly, not that interested. Um, yeah, yeah it's no, nothing about this. Like, there's there's other better asymmetrical multiplayers out there already. Yeah, well, there's more, there's better four v one, like you know, hunting down the main thing game. Like Predator is better than that. You know, like <laughs> like I, I think I think I'd rather just play Dead by Daylight with you guys again. You know, oh, yeah, what I mean? like Dead by Daylight. Yeah, Predator. Uh, fucking. Shit, even that first asymmetrical one they did with like the monsters on PlayStation Evolution or whatever yeah, this shit. Yeah. Even that's probably gonna be better. Right, this. right, right. Now, Genesee, I feel like we should get Genesee into Dead by Daylight. We we need to get Genesee a console and have Genesee is, play Dead by Daylight with us. Is that a shoot 'em up game? Uh no. No, no not a shoot 'em up. Run away game. From, okay. It's it's a runaway from the horror monster, serial killer and survive sort of game. Why is that a game you think I should play? Because it would be a lot of plun, a lot, a lot of plun, a lot of oh ghost butter. <laughs> It'd be have, so much fun to play with you. I have like the perfect idea. So we need to do <laughs> Dead by Daylight custom lobby, five people. Genesee can only play the serial killer. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like the way that sounds. I think Genesee would be great at just doing the, would... the serial killer. Yeah. I would be such a bad serial killer. No, nah, you, like you do great. No, you do great. No, you do great. 
Like you, you pulled out a butterfly knife on our screen the other night. You're gonna do great. You're gonna do I great. I pulled out what, two different knives. That's what's two. happening, Reed? What's happening, baby boy? Uh, Jag or boy Jack says evolve. <laughs> that was another good one. That was like that. Um, evolve, yes. Evolve was a fun one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And I did also suck at that game too, Jag. I sucked out so much shit. Uh, Eska said she said shoot 'em up game. <laughs> no, listen, that is a genre. Shoot 'em up is a genre. Yeah. There's beat 'em up yeah. and shoot 'em up. Shoot 'em up. We yeah, call them, we call them bumps and shmups. <laughs> no, 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 shoot 'em up is called bullet hell most of the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, like some is it really? Shmups, but yeah, but. that's like it's just. Yep, that's exactly yeah, yeah, bullet yeah, yeah. Hell. Bullet I'm going to stick with shoot him up. I've been doing that my entire life and I'm I'm doing well. You know what? You're I I love that for you, Genesis. That's <laughs> powerful. So powerful. But I'm going to let you tell people the next story. Go ahead. OMG, really? Uh new PS5 features added in free update. VRR coming soon from Devante Chisholm uh from GameSpot. The latest firmware update has gone live for PS4 and PS5 consoles, adding several new features and tweaking the user interface. Enhancements to game base and trophy cards, as well as accessibility features like mono audio for headphones have all been added. In a blog post, Sony also teased that variable refresh rate support will be coming to PS5 soon which are all things that speak to Devin. Uh, <laughs> this is all shit that he kind of really cares about. But it's cool because we have another thing we'll be talking about here in a second uh, that adds on to this. But um, this is also for PS4, which is super interesting to me that they're still kind of doing some software updates on PS4 consoles. Dude, I don't think they financially have a choice. They they really do not. They they really said, fuck, we're going to have to hang out with PS4s for a little longer. Like, that's that's so dude, funny to me, see, dude. I bet that we see PS4 with, like, titles and software updates for, like, oh, dude, at least the next three years with the way their launch went from which, PlayStation 5. Fucking wild. wild to me, dude. They usually stop after a year. Like, after a year of the new console gen? Like, that's so... Dude, it's weird to think about the world we live in right now where PS5s are so hard to get still that, like, they have to, like, revert and put a little bit more... Ten like, they're gonna have to, like, prolong the last gen, which is fucking nutty yeah. to me. Like, like PS5's not impossible to get now relative to, like, what it was before, but it's still kind of fucking hard. Like, you still have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to get one, right? They like, almost need to do, like, a PlayStation 4 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Here is the PS4 not quite slim. Like, <laughs> like give us that, like, dude. They got, like, yeah, just give us something in between that's yeah. accessible. The, 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 need, P like, the PS4 almost broke. version of the Series S. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> PS4 almost pro is what we need. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an ad map for them for that. I'm gonna send that their way. Here's the PS4 almost pro. It's gonna look like an Xbox Series S, but instead of the Xbox emblem, it's gonna be the PlayStation emblem. Uh, it's, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna do to it. Um, that's cool. I'll never financially recover from this, Sony. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, Jax is the best place to get them for retail. Is Target websites at like 3 a.m. on Thursdays. I have noticed that, but nobody here is going to stay up until three o'clock in the morning just to refresh target speak for yourself here. speak for your fucking self <laughs> okay listen the guy garrick, who has the playstation 5 garrick you know, i need you to get a ps5 so fucking bad dude and genesee i need the three of us to have ps5s if, so bad look man so bad. If, 
if I get that fourteen hundred dollars that the government supposedly owes me. <laughs> there you go, that's my guy. A, there you go, my guy. And listen, like like thing. I like I said before, there's you just kind of have to do a little bit of digging. Like me, I found mine because oh, Reed said hydrate. Um, hydrate. Uh, thank you, Reed. We appreciate you, dog. Uh, Reed also said the mm. PlayStation 4 was released in, in the U.S. and Canada on November 15, 2013. It's still significantly more used than the PS5, which came out in November 12, 2020. That is true. That is true. Um, I, um, for mine, I found someone who was selling one on OfferUp, and for an extra 50 bucks, gave me a brand new PS5. Like, he, he, was, he wasn't trying to sell it for, like... A ridiculous amount of money just to say, hey, Dude, 50 bucks, so I'll drive to you. I, with that grab. I very much lucked out, very much lucked out, but all it takes is a little bit of searching. You take a little bit of searching and you ask yourself, is it worth the extra 50 bucks to not have to feel pain every night? You know what I mean? Oh, dude. <laughs> Especially because you were on Offer Up too. Because, yeah, like, Offer yeah. Up is like either posts that are six years old, scams, and then every once in a while you find <laughs> it's a beautiful diamond in the room. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> I looked out, Garrick. When you get one, we're gonna be playing together so fucking much, so fucking oh, much. So much. I'm telling you, so much. Tiny Tina's last night on this fucking controller right here was amazing. Oh, dude, amazing, I want the dude. So bad. God, it's, it feels so good, dude. I'm so excited. Anyways, Garrick, hit us with our next couple of stories, my guy. Can't do Suicide Squad killed the Justice League delayed to spring 2020. Three. Fuck, I'm pretty sure I chose this game <laughs> on Fantasy Critic. Not none of us did actually. None of us did, surprisingly enough. Oh, you want to I think none of us did because we were all afraid of this exact thing as yes, a matter literally of fact, this was, exact thing. Yep. It was Gotham it was Gotham Knights I passed yes. on and Devin grabbed. Devin got Gotham Knights, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, Gips killed kill it Justice League Suicide Squad delayed it to spring twenty twenty three. This is com- coming from Owen S. Good at Polygon. I know a delay is frustrating, but the time that is going into making the best game we can. Sefton Hill, the game director, said on Twitter, I look forward to bringing the chaos to Metropolis together. Thanks for your patience. The game starring Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and King Shark was first announced during the DC fandom in August 2020 and was given a 2022 launch window at the time. It will launch on PlayStation 5, Windows, and Xbox Series X. Oh, man. Um, is this where you at all, Devin? Not Devin. Garrick? My bad. Uh, you, you, usually, usually this is a question I ask, I ask Devin Damn. first. My mistake. Um, oh. What if he was here? What if he was here and he was like, well, actually, I... <laughs> <laughs> he was in here. I didn't know. Yeah, that's what it was. My bad, guys. Love you, Devin. Love you, Devin. Dog. Go yeah. ahead, Garrett. Does this does this um, worry you at all? Poor Garrett. So I'm hoping that they take this time because, like, they this isn't planning on releasing on even the Series S right now, as far as I know, um, or Xbox One or PlayStation Four. So I, I'm hoping they take the extra time to at least try to expand like the consoles they're bringing this to um i feel like a title like this really needs to be as available as possible and good god it really i really hope it has crossplay. um these are things i'm hoping they're they're considering when they're going into this delay and that it's not just gameplay stuff i'm hoping they're really thinking about the overall future of the game because i love the suicide squad um just like just the set of characters so i I want this game to be successful 
I'm I am still kind of I'm I'm a little worried about the game as a whole. Yeah, I mean it looks it looks like it's gonna be fucking great when it does come out, but it's <laughs> there's just it's, a couple of things that like I'm just worried that like are gonna be like quality of life features and accessibility features and multiplayer features. I feel like so, need to start being staple, and but it are just get, still getting pushed to the wayside. So I'm just worried this is gonna be one of those games where like it's just not going to be like fun for multiplayer because right three platforms and no cross play. Yeah. Yeah. That's small player pools. Yeah. Very small. And I mean, like if I get like, if they have, if that's something they have to do to keep servers from being like tiny Tina's last night. Sure. But like, it still kind of sucks relatively, you know, like the fact yeah, that we're still I in just... 2022 and like cross play is a question for like games is wild. <laughs> yeah i just hope they're taking the, and uh, and like take the delay like i like i want the game to be good and i'm okay with the delay i just really hope they like just use your time meaningfully please don't make the same mistakes that everybody else keeps making with these game launches yeah no that's true that's true uh gary could you could you move your mic just a little bit closer to you for me just a wee bit yeah, thank you so. thank you my band thank you thank you go ahead and hit him with the next one man uh, Devolver co-founder announces annual mental health game jam. And this is coming from Ryan Liston, IGN. The new event from Global Game Jam in uh, partnership with Deepwell Digital Therapeutics, the new company from Devolver co-founder Mike Wilson, challenges developers to create the, uh, games that use themes and mechanics that can be utilized in mental wellness treatment. Um, fucking awesome. The environment of a, uh, of a game jam is the perfect place for exploring, experimenting with new ideas and, uh, and approaches to problem solving, said Global Game Jam Executive Director Kate Edwards. As the world's largest game jam event, the uh, Global Game Jam is thrilled to see our community create games around this critical topic. This is tight. I think this is super tight. Uh, Genesa, I want to ask you, this doesn't happen very often. Is this is this something that like that you might like feel is pretty exciting for the games industry? I I'm curious. I'm curious. I mean like sure. I think it's it's tough because I I don't know a lot about games in the game industry and like the the idea that they're talking about like digital digital therapeutics is really interesting and new and sure. also honestly if i'm being if i'm being really frank because where i obviously why where i'm coming at with this is someone who is quite mentally ill and um also very engaged with being mentally healthy um and so for me they seem kind of opposite to be quite frank like the idea of digital therapeutics to me seems uh like an oxymoron. Um, okay. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense particularly because, and I've talked about this a bit very lightly recently. Like um, I've had to take a big step back from engaging with digital medias um, as much as I was, because that seriously impacts people's mental illness. And I say mental illness rather than mental health specifically, because um, depending on what mental illness you have, um, that can seriously encourage certain symptoms, certain cycling. I have a cycle-related mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, stuff like that can can spring me into a, a cycle or or exacerbate something that I'm already in. Um, just by just by watching TV too many hours or playing video games for too many hours. So the idea of digital therapeutics, I think, is something very um, doesn't quite make sense to me off the off the the first mention of it. Um, that being said, I I would hope that they're working with. Um, a very serious team of mental health professionals and like every scope that they could yeah. um, and who are, who specialize in different mental illnesses and, and thinking specifically about um, not how this is just going to impact the idea of that we talk about of mental health of, of like um, of mental health practices, but how could it potentially impact mental illness and how can we use this as a tool um, to, not have a negative impact on that and i think right. that that could be really powerful if done correctly yeah because like I, what i was gonna say uh sort of i guess in rebuttal to this is is uh it's it's exciting to me that we're kind of putting you in a direction where we want you to play more video games and a lot <laughs> of that kind of falls into or talking about in, in something like this is not so much the amount of time spent playing the video game and how that exacerbates a lot of mental illness issues um and how that can directly affect people that don't do well with things like that but on the other scope too if we talk about limited amount of time with a video game that tells a story or has characters that are relatable or has an impact on the person that's playing it it can it can truly 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 change the way a person perceives things like me and Garrick were raving about the game before your eyes um, late, mm. early this year. Oh, yeah. And that mm -hmm. game was an ethereal experience. It really, really was. It bums me out a little bit that people can only really play it on PC. They can't play it on console. Um, but Genesee, that is a game you can play. And I kind of want you to get a chance to really like dive into it. It is a what, Garrick, two hour experience maybe if even that i think it was maybe a one hour yeah. experience actually um but it's a game that's completely yeah. controlled by you blinking your eyes and using your mouse to look around and what the concept of the story is is that you're reflecting back on the life of the character that you're playing as and learning learning these lessons from childhood up until your adulthood and uh the story that plays out in that kind of reflects on that character and you, the player, showing you, like, you should appreciate the things that happen in your life because mm -hmm. those things can disappear before your eyes, hence the name of the game. And so, like, even though, like, there are games that are very much, like, grindy, 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 and the story can be there, there's also games that are very short snippets of just some of the most phenomenal storytelling and when i think of something like this a game jam that is directed towards mental mental wellness i can see them formulating games game experiences that could be therapeutic for people that love video games and struggle with things and they're wanting to feel some sort of relation to the characters that they're playing as or with in the video game. Um, and for a lot of people, it works that way. I, I'm excited to like see you develop into playing some more games and kind of toss you yeah. a, a thing that we recommend every here and there and see like how that can open up things for you. So it's no longer just like, a, oh, I'm filling my time with this thing. It is mm -hmm. It is the same experience as reading a book is. Um, 
and that's that's why me and Garrick love video video games in that essence so much, like first player story, story experiences, like narrative mm-hmm. experiences, because we love that essence of like it feels like you're playing a book. It feels like you're experiencing a book. And, you know, I think it's really interesting that you say that. I mean, I I don't think I need to talk on this too much, but like hands down, we know we've been, we've met Genesee before. I love representation. I I love representing mental health stories. I think that I'm I'm also skeptical of that though because a lot of times it's done poorly. Um particularly as someone who has bipolar disorder, that there are tons of like bipolar stories out there in in all sorts of different forms of media and most of them are done very 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 insensitively. Um so I'm I'm skeptical about that, but on the whole like when done well, I all for representation and I think that representation of video games is absolutely no exception. Uh but on your note of like getting me into the the story of things, I am I am tentatively on board especially because like whenever we talk about video games, I'm the bitch out here being like, "Oh, well, I've played Nancy Drew Mystery Island. <laughs> That's a story game. It's a fucking story and I love it because I'm sitting here like playing this game going around treasure hunting and they're like, oh, your uncle had this thing and then he died and he left it to you and I'm like, no he didn't! You know, so yeah, I'm all, I'm on. I like that. I like that. It's 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 a beautiful experience <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm hoping that we can we can really get some time to kind of like have you kind of, kind of have you play some of these cool things. Like we like maybe Garrick, maybe we need to get Genesis started on like Telltale games. <laughs> maybe. Oh, which one? What is that? Mm, Wolf Among Us. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would that would be. I think that'd be a cool one to start with. OK, um, let me let me run this by you. Genesee, do you like. Do you like uh, like TV shows or like stories similar to like Brothers Grimm? Probably or like, not. Or like Grimm. Okay, what about uh, like Once Upon a Time? Yeah. Okay, then yeah, yeah maybe then, yeah, maybe the Wolf, Wolf Among Us. Wolf yeah. Among Us will probably hit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Or I mean, Morbid says Heavy Rain. Are you into like murder mystery? Depending, uh, murder okay. mystery can get can get iffy depending on the the type of murder and the things involved with that but i like a good mystery okay okay because there's there's a game called heavy rain that kind of doubles up with beyond two souls you can get in a package it's like one of my favorite games ever um highly recommend those maybe that's a little bit advanced for genesee though guys they may might be a little a little bit too much kind of right off the bat if you're into zombie stuff the walking dead telltale games are very very good I, I don't think, think we I, need to I'm find not another, enjoy. I'm not going to enjoy zombie another game. Top okay, down. Sure, sure. Let's find another top down title that's like similar that like presents kind of like Stardew Valley does. Yeah, but right. Maybe he's got like a different right. gameplay approach. Right. I just want to put it out there. Nancy Drew is on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much, Jesse. We'll talk. We'll talk about it more soon. In the meantime, guys. Next up, Archive Eighty One is officially canceled by Netflix after one season this comes from nelly and Drevo over at deadline netflix has opted not to move forward with the second season of archive 81 deadline has learned the news comes two months after the january 14th debut of the horror drama starring mamodu afi and dina shihabi 
nailed those names. Let's fucking go. The cancellation is somewhat surprising because Archive 81 did break into Nielsen and Netflix's weekly top 10 ratings for originals. And it also briefly shot to number one on Netflix in the U.S. before being dethroned by the return of Ozark. With the streamer laser focused on analyzing viewing versus cost in its renewal decisions, the number of eyeballs Archive 81 drew possibly did not meet the threshold Netflix had set for the series based on its budget. Um, have any of you guys watched Archive 81 yet? Uh, I've seen it, and I've honestly, I've clicked on it a couple of times, and I've read the description, and then I, like, every time I read it, I'm just like, eh, I just, like, it seems like there's just other shows that would just do this better, and yeah. so I just kept pa- I just kept passing on it. So Archive 81 is a show that is, um, uh, that is based on a, uh, a horror podcast, um, and, and is, I haven't watched a lot because by the time that I like started the first like 15 minutes of it, Aaron was like, I kind of want to watch that with you. I was, okay, I'll stop. But I've heard that it is wild and I've heard that it's tight, um, from a lot really? of people that, so like, it, it's hard to say cause it is a, it is a found footage, um, sort of format and, uh, no, and they pass. Well, hold on, hold on. They, it's it's not entirely found footage. It is a story about a guy who finds a found footage thing, um, and they they kind of okay. bounces around that. Yeah, so it's not necessarily the entire thing's found footage, but um, it is about found footage, and it's it kind of takes on a little bit of a cool concept. Um, I mean, I've heard nothing but great things about it, so it is a little bit shocking to me too that they canceled it. Um, I don't know. Do you guys plan on watching it? I mean, I'd... eventually, I think I want I think it as far as like horror shows like and stuff go, I definitely there's some other things I still want to check out first, mainly Midnight Mass. Mm, yeah, you need to watch mm. Midnight Mass before you get into that. That's for damn sure. Janessa, did you watch? Oh, did you? Did you fucking watch them yet? I know Midnight you did. Mass. I know you did. I know you did Blind Manor. Did you watch Blind Manor? I started Haunting of Hill House. Couldn't finish that shit. I'm sorry, but the the, the I couldn't finish it. I'm sorry. I'm a scared little bitch, and there wasn't enough like emotional connection with me to the like to the story <laughs> to like have to finish it. Like Fly Manor, I had to finish it because I had to know what the fuck happened with those Genesaw, beautiful lesbians. Genesaw, you, you hit you know episode five. You get to episode is five. The, is that the one where it's the continuous filming in the funeral? No, that's that's the funeral. That's the funeral. Yeah, that's Which that's the episode. Funeral. Is that? It's it's the episode with Nelly where you find out what happens with Nelly. Yeah, I got that's... past that. I got okay. to the funeral yeah. episode. I got to the funeral episode. And that didn't and get I... you. You I weren't along for the ride. That episode's so good. It was so good. I agree. I agree. It was oh. so good. It was so well filmed. Oh. It was fucking phenomenally acted. Oh. It was so well done. But I couldn't stick with the scary shit. I couldn't. I was too scared, like, sitting them with them in that funeral home. I was like, what the fuck is going to happen? I, I couldn't get past and it. Oh, Janice. I couldn't do it. I'm Cause, sorry. Because it, it's after that episode when all the fucking feels come in. Because, it, like, that's, oh, that's when you really start getting, is like, it, fucked. Is it like, scary? It because the gas. Okay. Before that, before the episode, it was so like jump scary and yeah. like, like 
I was like this the whole time. I was like, Nelly, no, Nelly, no. And yeah. so, so after the funeral episode, do you have a lot more of that, or is it? Just well, it's like... it's it's because it's because once you find out what is actually going on with the broke neck lady, when when you find out what yeah, that actually is that. about, that's when you're supposed to be like, oh. That was never scary in the first place. That actually is I fucking disagree. heartbreaking. Like, well, both. It's heart. It's heartbreaking. Like that when you figure out what that actually is it going on really, with that. Yeah. It changes yeah. your perspective. Where like I like Chase says it in the chat. I fucking cry like a little baby. I cried like Honestly, three yeah. times during the show the because is like rough. It is. It is. I, goddamn. See, why would I? Why would I put? I'm already. I already think about that sometimes, and I'm like. It's gonna be rough. Like, why would I put myself through the last three episodes? Because it, because it, because it's, 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 it's letting, it's letting the emotions out of you. So you cry about something else. You don't cry about other things instead. I'm avoidant. I, I have a very particular system of the things (laughs) that allowed to make me cry, and. Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, Gen- sure. Genesaw, Genesaw. Sure. Let's 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 do a watch together for it. We'll do a watch together, you and I. We'll, I could I could do that. I the, could get do that. Garrick. Let's, let's let's get let's get you and I on a watch together mm-hmm. with Genesaw for for the last few episodes of of Hill House. Okay, because that's right. too too good I'll of a fucking show. You. Too good. I'll of a do it for show. you. But to talk about the the actual thing in question, Archive eighty one. This is the I hadn't heard of it until this, and I I don't mm-hmm. see why I would watch it. That's fair. That's totally fair. I'm I'm interested. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably end up watching with Aaron because they're they're like I I, I want to check this out because we're we're like horror buffs and so we like we like to dive into that stuff. I'll let you guys know when I get finally get a shot. Um. Anyways, next up, Rockstar to launch GTA Plus for GTA Online. This comes from Jeffrey Russo over at GamesIndustry.biz. Uh, the name that Garrick says is a lot of letters for such a simple name. <laughs> Dude, it is. I still stand by that. Mm-hmm, it's true. Now, the more I look at it, every time that I like type it in, I'm kind of like, God, that is a lot of letters, isn't it? He, he literally could have just put R U S O. Yeah. <laughs> letters. He says, set to launch on March 29th. The company said that the program will give consumers a quote range of valuable benefits for both new and long-standing players on the latest generation console. End quote. GTA Plus will be a cost of $5.99 monthly and available through the Microsoft Store and PlayStation Store. Of the list of benefits, players will receive $500,000 in-game currency monthly and be able to claim virtual property within Grand Theft Auto Online. To purchase the membership, consumers must own a copy of either Grand Theft Auto Online or Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, Garrick, is this is this is this cool? Is this cool? Man, get the fuck out of here with this <laughs> shit, Rockstar. Like, so many people are pissed off about this. <laughs> Dude, what the hell even is this, man? Stop fucking make quit doing shit like this and just go fucking make Red Dead Online good, please. Yep. 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 Uh guys, like, for don't, real. D- like, you guys already have battle passes and season passes. Why do you need a monthly fucking subscription? <laughs> like it's true, dude. Well, I mean, like, I I haven't looked into it too deep, but I hope they get rid of those if they're doing this. I hope. Yeah, they better shift because like that doesn't make any sense because then you're spending because like so you got to figure a battle pass is like every three months roughly. Right. Because it's like a C. That's how long a season generally goes. So you're mm-hmm. paying like and that's that's anywhere between 10 to 15 bucks, depending on the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, then you're spending another six dollars a month just to get like virtual property and five hundred thousand dollars in in-game currency ain't shit in GTA Five. It really is. That's isn't. fucking really nothing. Isn't. Nope, that's that ain't shit. Because it's like, like a gun. <laughs> yeah, dude. If that, because like the way Rockstar mon like they do their monetization shit for the game, they make everything ridiculously expensive with in-game currency because they want you to buy the premium currency. So this is whack. Yeah. Yeah, they're just they're just milking GTA, dude. Like, and like this is just rock shit. Rockstar just does shit like this. Like, they're literally they are completely into in video games for the money. It sucks because like when they do make games, they tend to make really good ones. Yeah, but yeah, but like yeah. they're they they don't give a shit about their player base. They are all about the moolah. They really don't. Morbid says in before GTA NFTs. God damn it! Please don't, please don't. You know what I mean? God damn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'm a little bummed out. I'm a little bummed out. I mean, I don't really play GT online, so this doesn't really like do anything for me. Um, but it's just just the just the non-consumer friendly fucking moves that these companies are pulling sometimes. It's just so insufferable. You know what I mean? Like this is not this is going to shoot themselves in the fucking foot a little bit. Like, I, I don't think they're going to get as many people on this as they think they will or hope they will let alone yeah you know what i mean they no this is stupid like i don't i don't understand who this benefits as a player like this <laughs> this this doesn't nobody gains from this sure don't except for rockstar like they like sure there's don't. literally there's no reason for a player to want this not at all i can't i can't i can't think of any reason like and, unless they're talking about like, i want to pay six dollars a month like if they get to claim their virtual property, do they not get to claim it if they stop their subscription? Like, yeah, do you lose access to that? Do you lose that? <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, like, if you're a dedicated GTA 5 player, anyways, like, you don't give a shit about 500,000 because you're already, you're already in the game so long that you probably have like hundreds of millions, which most dedicated yeah. players already have because they've got like, hundreds of hours into this game like this 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 does nothing for no one it's nonsense it's nonsense it's nonsense uh some more nonsense though guys we actually have a little bit kind of some breaking news let's fucking go um first up actually not first up lastly it's our last story here playstation will reveal Spartacus, it's Game Pass competitor very soon. So, so George Yang over at GameSpot, and he says this, according to a new report from Bloomberg, the subscription service will combine PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus. Additionally, there will be multiple tiers within the service that have a variety of modern PlayStation games and older classic ones. The most expensive tier will reportedly offer extended demos and game streaming over the Internet. The report also notes that Spartacus won't match what's arguably the most enticing feature of Xbox Game Pass. Whereas the latter offers its first party releases on launch days, such as Halo Infinite and the upcoming Starfield, PlayStation service is not expected to do the same thing with its own first party launch titles like the upcoming God of War Ragnarok. God fucking damn it, man. <laughs> the PlayStation, if your most expensive subscription is over $15, you've already lost. Go fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourselves. I yeah, would argue if, if, it's, if it's over $13. Yeah, if Don't. you're arguing, if like no first party titles, like get the fuck out of here. You're like you had one job, PlayStation. I don't want to go back and play the PlayStation titles. I've already like because let's be honest, like you and me are now like I don't need, 
I don't need like a PlayStation subscription service to play the exclusive because I fucking bought them all already. Right. Right. Like, so like, give me the upcoming shit or like, why have it? Like, this is only really going to be good to people like basically just coming into PlayStation and then they're going to play through the catalog and drop it because they're not going to have anything fresh circulating in. Yeah. Well, in, in more of it in, in the chats is over 10 bucks, no first party titles, no crossplay with PC. The choice is obvious. Like, yeah, dude, Game Pass is still just dude. Game Pass. Y'all Game Pass is Netflix. Game Pass is Netflix. And, y- and y- motherfuckers need to start competing. I just I cannot I cannot believe they had one job. <laughs> one job if you wanted to compete with game pass you had one thing you had to fucking do do game pass but on playstation that's all you had to fucking do like let's just give us a playstation game pass it's not that you can literally copy their fucking business model but they're too worried about how much money microsoft is losing by doing game pass which is critically like fucking asinine to me like the entire point of game pass is to be able to try out a game play wow we froze up real bad for a second uh to try a game play a game for for a while enjoy the game and if you want to support it further buy the game like that's the entire concept like dude yes exactly prime example like rainbow six extraction it is on game pass uh usually they stay on for about a year uh, I will probably spend the $40 to pick that shit up when it leaves Game Pass because I got yeah. to play it there. I know I like the game. I know I want to see what the future of that game holds and I'll keep playing it. Same thing they did with like the uh, the early, the, you know, like the previews, the, the Xbox Game Pass previews. Like, right. dude, if they're not going to be doing that, like Xbox Game Pass gives you the extended demos, a.k.a. the game previews at their base price. And they're claiming that the Spartacus will basically do the same thing on their highest tier. Right. Dude, oh, f- fuck you, I just, Sony. I you can't, I can't. Yeah, dude. What the fuck ever, man? I like. I, uh, I hope they dude, just get all, fucking burned gonna, alive for this. Uh, like, dude, <laughs> we're going to watch the reveal for this because we have to. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> we're just thrown the whole way through it. We're just going to be like, come on, guys. And then when they finally get to the final bit of that announcement, I can feel you and I are just going to eye roll straight into the Eternals movie. Like, it's it's just going like, to be Dude. so bad. I'm like, oh, my God, why are you doing this? But we could end up being pleasantly surprised because this is technically still just like a rumor leak. It's not. It, it could potentially be incorrect. I'm just saying I I sincerely hope that it is very much. I hope this is I hope this is inaccurate. Like this is inaccurate reporting. No offense to uh, uh, George George Yang or or GameSpot or anybody like that. Like I just hope hope that whoever this came from originally was so dead ass wrong. (laughs) Like like please please say psych. Please say psych right now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, morbid. It's a strategic leak. They're getting a pulse on reaction to it. I mean, like, who knows, dude? Who knows? Maybe you know, like, it could it could be a thing. It could be a fucking thing. And we and we will be talking about it, just like we will be talking to you guys a little bit in our next segment. But before we get into our next segment, I want to remind everyone that they can support us over on Patreon.com/slash/GoodCrackingShow, where they can get early access on this episode before it goes public. They can write into the show, and they can get this episode ad free. But if they're hearing this, they're not on our Patreon. So for now, here's a word from our sponsors. 
This piece of good Kraken content is brought to you by Glide Mousepads. The world is changing and the demand for PC gaming and work from home setups has never been as wild as it is right now. Having the best of the best in PC accessories only makes it easier to get your work done before you jump right back into the fray of the digital sea. And Glide knows exactly how to make that happen for you. Glide Mousepads is the future industry leader in mousepads offering beautiful, smooth, waterproof products made with eco-friendly materials and non-slip rubber in a variety of sizes that are guaranteed to help you get that next win. Now, if you're like me and you spend a lot of time in your command center, whether it's streaming, editing, or designing, you need a quality mousepad that can keep up with that constant grind. You can go to GlideMousePads.com right now and use code Kraken for 15% off the Founders Edition mousepad in every size available. Again, that's code K-R-A-K-E-N, Kraken, for 15% off any Founders Edition mousepad today. Our next sponsor is Rogue Energy. Late nights are pretty much commonplace for us content creators, and any of us here at GK can attest that sometimes you're just too damn tired to even think about how not to be tired any longer. Lucky for us, though, Rogue has figured out how to give those late nights and even earlier mornings the supercharge that we all need. Rogue Energy is a low-calorie, no-sugar energy formula that is the perfect alternative to sugar-filled canned energy drinks and sodas. Every formula Rogue Energy produces is designed with optimal levels of high-quality ingredients and no chalky textures. Being the only gaming drink company in the world with four unique product lines to suit your task at hand, Rogue Energy strives to improve the in-game performance of gamers, streamers, and content creators around the globe. Check it. We have been drinking the ever-living crap out of this stuff. If I'll be completely honest with you, me, Devin, Garrick, Xander, Raven, Genesee, all of us here at GK absolutely adore this drink. Uh, it helps us in the mornings, helps us in the evenings. Uh, you guys know how it is. We've been going on about this forever, and it is no exception now. It's still taking care of us to this day. You can head on over to RogueEnergy.com and use code GKRAKEN for 10% off your purchase of any shaker or formula tub of your choosing. That's G-K-R-A-K-E-N for 10% off any shaker or formula tub that you'd like. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. That good old, good old Glide and, and, and Rogue Energy stuff. Go buy yourself some of that shit. Use those codes. Help support us a little bit. Get some cool stuff out of it. I actually got uh, one of the, I bought one of the Glide mouse pads myself to use at my office um, at, at work. And it is. Dude, I've been thinking about doing that. It's actually for work. just as rad as I thought it would be. It's, it's a pretty fucking good mouse pad. My God, it's fucking huge. I bought I bought the biggest Dude, one that they had. I was yeah, I was thinking about getting like the big one, like the full mm -hmm. desk one, because yeah. I've got like a, I've just got like a solid top desk at yeah. work. Right. So it's just like everything's all one level. So I just want to. It's, uh, it's perfect for it, dude. You like it's it? Perfect. You like I it? I really, okay. really like it. Yeah, it's it's silky smooth. It's it is very much waterproof because I accidentally spilled a little bit of like some water like on my counter when I went to reach for something. Um, Very much waterproof. And it is it is it's dope, dude. It's fucking dope. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Chase loving that Peter the Dolphin stuff because Chase, Chase is actually the one that told me. To go check out the Peter the Dolphin history. And that's why. Why, that's why I, does that not shock me? It is. It is so, oh. so fucking funny. So fucking funny. Genesee, what do we have next for the people at home? Oh, <laughs> she just looked. You're I had, muted. To, oh, I had to unmute myself and it's hiding behind my camera. So we just had a whole disaster that's right okay. there. That's all right. What's next for the folks is 
Hands on deck! Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> Guys, hands on deck is where we talk a little bit about a game or movie or show that we have watched since our last episode. We talk to each other about it, we try to pitch it to each other, and we try to pitch it to you guys at home. Genesee, what did you watch or play this week? Um, okay, so I'm going a little bit off script. Um, I have been consumed by like Regency and Victorian era things for the past like week and a half, two weeks. Okay. So um, it started when I decided to read The Viscount Who Loved Me because I was just absolutely so anxious waiting for Bridgerton season true and I needed to know what happened and it was futile because the book and the show are just totally different. They're okay. just not the same thing. Not the same thing happened. Okay. That's fine. Sure. All right. Um, so I started there and then I went down this rabbit hole, which is what my entire like life has been for the last week is um the Infernal Devices series, which is part of the Shadowhunters universe. So it is not a show or movie. That is a very fun book series. Have you read those? Like City of like City of City of City of Bones. Fucking good book series, dude. They're great. Yeah. I have not read so the City of Bones, all of the cities are part of the Mortal Instruments series, which was released first. Uh um, But chronologically takes place after um the infernal devices series which yeah. takes place in um i want to it's like somewhere kind of in between regency era and victorian yeah um yeah. era london and so uh i started there my sister-in-law recommended it to me and she notoriously recommends the best fucking book series for me and it's amazing it's it's like magic but set in regency era london and also has some pop and bisexual characters like infernal devices is the shit i'm about to start on mortal instruments but i before i do that i need to set myself up a reading schedule because i got through infernal devices in a week like okay. I read the entire series in a week, and we have all seen me read. I don't read well, and I read slow. So, <laughs> so. listen. I mean, same, Genesee. I yeah. do. I honestly, I do audiobooks for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't feel bad about it at all. Don't, uh, hands down, don't. I, for me, I can't process stuff um, auditorily as well as I can visually. Sure, um, sure. When I process things auditorily, I have to write them down. And so oh, okay. it doesn't make okay. sense for me to do audiobooks um, because no, I just, fair. it'll just leave my brain. Um, so it takes a bit more time. I would love to be able to do audiobooks to, to be real. Like I would, I would love it. I just know that I don't, I don't observe the information That's- as well. And I can read. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Garrett can too. <laughs> no, like, I'm oh, laughing sorry, at yeah. myself. I'm laughing at myself because I feel like it's this like ongoing joke that I play on myself because I I I do read really slow and it is like difficult for me to read, so it takes me forever to get through stuff that I read. But I, it's just like this ongoing joke with myself. Like I can read, I just don't. 
Um, Dude, honestly, I, I love audiobooks. I really, really do. I, I read I read the entire Harry Potter series when I was doing my like movie book, movie book run, um, except for the yeah. first book. The first book I actually read because I still had a copy of that. Um, but I audiobooked the rest of them because um, I, I got them for free through Audible. So I was like, fuck that. I ain't paying for Hell these. yeah, dude. That's I what like, I do. <laughs> I was like, I'm paying for that shit. I'll get them for free. So I just yes. built up like eight months of free audiobook on, on fucking Audible. Oh, and I was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's fucking do that. But anyways, Genesee, how are you liking this series? Um, so the Infernal Devices series is really incredible. Uh, actually, like speaking of Harry Potter, I was I was getting through this series and I was thinking about how people talk about uh, J.K. Rowling as such an amazing um, like world builder. And I just wonder if people have read Cassandra Clare, because I really don't think that anyone can hold a candle to Cassandra Clare when it comes to world building. I mean, she created such an intricate, incredible world um which and not just in that i mean i there are something wild like 10 or 12 books total that she's created in this Mm -hmm. universe if Mm -hmm. not more i mean she has already has three series in this universe um and i think is working on the fourth one i want to say i might be more i mean it's it's wild she's she's just this world is so vivid and it's incredible um the one thing that i kind of don't love about the about the series is that um it's very wordy i just felt like there were so many things there were so many things where she spent like she spent like five pages describing like a part of a fight scene and i was like i just want to know the like wood on a desk yeah yeah george like you walk into an office and she's like there were five jars on the on this and they were filled they were filled one was filled with a a light green substance and one was filled with a a dark murky substance that was thicker than blood and i'm like i don't care you know? about the jars I've noticed that, like, some of, like, the greatest writers, like, are so wordy. Like, Tolkien, oh, good God. God, good Lord. I love Lord of the Rings books, but just, like, like, every, like, I, every time I reread Lord of the Rings and I get to the chapter where they enter Finger and Forest, I'm just like, here we fucking go. Yeah, every tree to fucking (laughs) me, I I guess. We'll see. And that and that's why, like, so Stephen King's kind of the the same way. He's very wordy in describing things that are happening and like slow motion almost. His son, Joe Hill, which I don't know if you guys knew that Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. He goes by Joe Hill because he doesn't want to get credit just for being (laughs) Stephen King's son, which is totally fair. He he is Stephen King without all of the wordiness. Oh, Um, Shit. Yeah, and so books like Horns, Horns is one of my favorite books of all fucking time. Uh, the sh- the movie is absolute fucking dumpster fire. Uh, the one with <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe? Yeah, fucking <laughs> awful, awful movie adaptation. Uh, but the book is absolute fucking gold. Um, and it's because he just gets straight to the point like he's very good at doing a third person like perspective of this character that feels a little bit more like closer towards like first person and like how it's like narrated. Um, they, they, Oh God, it's incredible. But the wordiness, I totally get why that would be frustrating. (laughs) No, it got to the point where I was like, like when we, I like skipped sections. I'm not going to lie. I like skipped. Well, I went back and read them, but, um, I, there was one point where I was like, I was like, I don't care because she switches between perspectives. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't care what's happening between um, 
the well the cool warlock guy he's at morbus bane oh, yeah um, morbus, yeah, yeah. No. i don't I care what's happening hate between... that you hate books. morbus bane no no oh, i okay. hate that in books like i just no, <laughs> We're about to fight, Eric. no because like, there's, there, uh, there's a series that i read uh called the mercy thompson series and like it's it so the book takes is like from the perspective of a female protagonist Mm-hmm. And uh, like every once in a while, they'll like do some shit from like her husband's point of view, and I'm just like, I don't give a shit about you, Adam. <laughs> like, I, I I just want mercy, please. I love when <laughs> I love the when they do that from a from a tasteful tasteful perspective, right? So it's I, like when when they do it from an essence of like trying to reveal something that you didn't know in the story, or like reveal like like let's say the a wife character and the husband character, they break up because the wife thinks the husband cheated on her and he's trying to explain, no, that's not what happened. And then suddenly the next chapter is the husband's perspective of the night that she thought he cheated on her. That stuff I like, but when it's just like, it switches back and forth between the characters, it's kind of be like, Oh, well on day two, this happened with this guy instead, you know, like, (laughs) see, that's exactly what they did too. Cause it was like an out of order mystery sort of thing. Yeah. And like the worst part about it was I, I did it through audiobook right and normally like uh the same like the the person who does like the female voice also does the husband's voice and she does Mm -hmm. a phenomenal job but for this one book they gave adam his own narrator and i fucking hated him oh i was like every like i was just like i I was like no bring her back it was the worst he's like but come here babe (laughs) (laughs) it's always that guy i have some book series (laughs) i think you might like uh genesee yeah yeah let me know i mean i'm about to be absorbed by the mortal instruments so i have no idea how many months that'll take me let let us know when you're done as long as you don't mind yeah as long as you don't mind steamy books are you cool with steamy i love a steamy book (laughs) i do steamy Um, books we do like a good steamy book yep i have a problem typically where like People will say it's steamy, like the Bridgerton books. That was a great example. And they were fine. They were they were steamy, but they were definitely like suburban soccer mom has right. only had sex with one person in their his, entire life. His beautiful lawnmower arms. I you know you know what I'm wind. saying. But what I'll say about multiple perspectives um, and steaminess in this book is that I love a good multiple perspective when it's done um, intentionally and when that's like yeah. the format of the book. Yeah. Like yeah. the um, the Raven Cycle books that I absolutely adore um, in the Dreamer series. Each of those books follows a different character and they switch, they kind of switch perspectives in the book, but it's very obvious what perspective you're coming from. Um, the Mortal Instruments, very similar. You know whose perspective you're coming from. There are also a lot of characters in play. They have a lot of really dynamic characters, which is excellent. And so, yeah, I don't want to see all of those characters through Tessa's eyes. Like the main character is like really shielded and kind of boring in the beginning. And she has a lot of growth throughout the series. But like, no, I don't want to I don't want to have like her perspective on these really dynamic characters that have a lot of stuff going on that she can't understand. I want their perspective. And um, I think the book does that really well. But what it what it struggles with is like knowing when to go to like knowing when I need certain parts of the story. I'm sorry, but I do not care about Morbus Bane and his 
um, vampire love interest when real shit is happening, when people might be dying. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. care That's about true. them having a conversation. <laughs> tell me who dies. Tell me who gets kidnapped. Tell me who's injured. Like, don't keep telling me about the smoke in the room. Keep, I don't want it, yeah. a whole paragraph yeah. on the smoke in the room. You know, so that's my that's my like not even qualm, but that's like my critique of the series. But it was not enough to like make me not want to read it. I would recommend those books hand down. They were super fun. the The mechanics and writing of it, um, outside of that wordiness, is like I I really can't say enough how how wonderful the world building is in it and the character development. These characters, it has like one of the only true love triangles I've ever seen. In, yeah. in literature yeah i mean it's okay. a true love triangle and it's beautiful and it's beautifully done i mean it's it's a very very good book wonderful characters i like it i like it garrick what did you play or watch this week uh so i am going to be talking about tiny Tina's wonderland because uh, we go. did it recently let's uh, go as we did it yesterday for our charity stream for the transgender law center which was uh super successful thanks to everybody for coming out for that um I also played it a little bit on launch night before um, we got to do the charity stream. And then I played it until quite a bit later <laughs> after the <laughs> sure. stream too. After the stream, sure. Um, sure. So I've got a good, I've got a good couple hours into it so far. Um, oh, dude, th- this, this may be one of my up, like more like this might might be my favorite borderlands game only because like as much as i love two and two is like chef's kiss so so good yeah um i love tiny tina i think tiny tina has always been like a super fun character in the franchise uh always been like a fan favorite as well um and like the fact that we get to like play this like D and D style borderlands that's basically presented through her eyes. Um, and anybody who's a friend of this fan of the series, like she, tiny Tina has some problems. <laughs> she does. She does. She's got some emotionally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. mentally, like some, there's some shit that's just a little <laughs> off there. Yeah. She's a little screwy. And like, Xander, so it makes it so she's like, She's uh she's very much like the sort of character that's just like puppies and unicorns and sprinkles and death and murder explosions. That and sounds like, but at the that same sounds time, amazing. But they all the buried the time. lead. And so that's like that's why and honestly, she she kind of is one of the most relatable Borderlands character because she's actually got like a traumatic backstory too. She basically like lived by herself, like raised herself. Yeah. And like, uh, in like later in the franchise, she basically has like two surrogate dads that yeah. um yeah that just like live with her in like her little cave. <laughs> I love it. And like you get to see her like grow into like this really awesome character in the third game, and um like getting to see like a standalone game, which like we already got like there. So Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is an offshoot of uh, Attack on uh, Dragon or Assault on Dragon Keep or some shit like that, I believe. Yeah. Dragon Castle, yeah, um, which was like a DLC for Borderlands Two. Um, so seeing this more fleshed out, like I love the character creator. It's like it's just as campy and as Borderlands as you'd expect. And I think the best part about this game is like it does a really good job, like just masking its Borderlandsness because. Yeah. Everything that you would expect to see in a Borderlands is there. 
it's just reskinned like really tastefully. Right, right. And so like because the game's already so campy, like the reuse of assets and the reuse of abilities is actually used to like really good comedic effect here. Like you still have like all the like the, the lovely Easter eggs and like the ridiculous NPCs, quest dialogue. Like we went on a hunt for stinky dank loin goblin loincloths last night. Yep, sure that was did. a thing. Sure did. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a thing. It was great. It was awesome. And so like um, gunplay feels good. All of the classes, which there are six to start off with, which is more than any other Borderland games at launch. Um, they do have a season pass, so probably expect some more. Um, the classes feel balanced and fleshed out. Everything feels viable. The loot feels awesome. They really, really brought back um, a great sense of loot, um, which I felt was like a little bit lacking in Borderlands 3 because I felt like the loot, the loot pool was a little bit smaller. I did do some research. As of right now, there are at least 55 legendary uh, orange quality um, weapons items in the game. Okay. And that's across every weapon type, um, accessories, armor, spells, um, your wards, your shields, etc. Which is like, that's a good, like, that's like a good little pool considering that like even like epic weapons are super, super viable. Um, the gun designs are still quirky and fun. Um, it's it's a Borderlands game through and through. But if you really just want something that that like just feels a little different in the way it's presented, and this one does a great job. Like it's a little bit more level mission based. Um, the overworld is very much looks like a board game. Like it's got that TTRPG vibe. Um, and if you like the high fantasy like D and D aspect, like the skin that this game takes on, it's this is it's great. Yeah. Uh, multiplayer yeah. is absolutely fantastic. Getting to see everybody's character is was like hands down my yeah. favorite part yeah like i yeah. love i love because like that was like the one thing I, every borderlands character very much looked the same like there were skins and you can customize a little bit but this adds way more flavor which i think is super crucial in the fact that like this is a DD based game yeah um and like it's just it's excellent if you love borderlands don't sleep on this. Like, I know it seems like a silly spinoff. It's absolutely worth it. It's full game potential. Um, we haven't even reached the end game, and the campaign's already been really silly and fun. Like, if you're a D&D fan, like, this is a must. Um, if you're also new to Borderlands, which our friend uh, The Chase of Beards very much is, yep. absolutely loved this game. Like, oh, dude, this he is was one... raving about it last night. Yeah. Like, if, if you haven't had the opportunity to play a Borderlands game yet... Uh, and you like things like Diablo or like Godfall, or Destiny 2, uh, Outriders, all those looter shooters, you can you can thank their existence to the Borderland franchise uh, because they started it all. They like did. Borderlands is they the did. original looter shooter. So if like if, if you love those kinds of games and you haven't had the opportunity to play this yet, Tiny Tina's is a great is a great and fun entry point to the franchise. Yeah. And and the hu the humor there that you get the classic Borderlands humor that you get in this game that you oh, don't get ridiculous. in other looter shooters is so bonkers. Like I remember my first experience in Borderlands, there was like something that that me and my friends ran into that was like a quote. It was like some sort of like obituary, and it said, <laughs> "quote from said person, what are you gonna do? Stab me?" <laughs> <laughs> it said man, cause of death, cause of death <laughs> stabbing. <laughs> yeah, it dude, was so exactly. funny to me. So fucking funny. Or like, to me. 
we met the we like the the first NPC we meet outside of like your main villain. Oh, by the way, the cast in this game is excellent. Yeah. Um, Andy yeah. Sandberg plays. Uh, I think his name was like Zeke or was the the night guy. Yeah. And then um, Wanda Sykes plays the robot. And, oh my uh, god, she is! Holy <laughs> shit! Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. And Will Arnett is is the Dragon Lord, the villain. <laughs> oh my god, I did not know that. That's so fucking funny. So Andy Samberg's Valentine. Yes, Valentine. Valentine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Valentine. Yeah. That's that's Andy Samberg. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. Oh my god. Okay. Now that I know that, that makes that even better for me. Like that's. But yeah, Je- Genesee, the first the first NPC you run into, the the Tiny Tina. She's box like narrating stop. the story. Uh, yeah, bo- box stop. But the the one you meet before that, the tutorial, Tiny Tina's like, and then you suddenly meet a slave bitch, and like, <laughs> this is woman who's like. Just, just like peasant be, ass peasant. Pe- peasant ass peasant that's what it was a peasant ass peasant not not slave bitch a peasant ass peasant and she the character stands up and she's like thank you for saving my peasant ass and the character's labeled as peasant ass peasant ass peasant dude. I like, love it, dude. It's, it's ridiculous uh, it's so over humor, the top this humor is such a good reason to play bordering you could play you could literally play those games for like just the jokes and the gunplay alone yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Now, I'm not going to take up too much of our our, of our time because we are running a little bit behind now. Uh, it, the thing I want to talk about is not that important. <laughs> but I watched a little show on Netflix called Is It Cake? Yeah. <laughs> and this, so this show is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> So, the concept, it is a game show, for any of you listeners or watchers at home, this is a game show, much in the lieu of, I don't know, uh, the fucking tattoo show, or like a love game show, or like, it's it's like, it's a typical game show, okay? Yeah. And the concept is... There's a number of ba- of bakers that specialize in making hyper realistic cakes, okay? And these bakers are trying to win up to $10,000 on the show. And it's a group of like 10, I think it is. And so in the start of 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 the game each episode, uh they have to themselves guess which one of these items is not the actual item but is a cake. So the first episode is fast food uh fast foods. And they have to guess which one of these burgers that are on these pedestals is actually not a burger, but is, in fact, a cake. It's a <laughs> and whoever guesses correctly gets to bake and compete on that episode that day. And so essentially they compete. They make a cake. They give them like a subject. Oh, you have to make this. You're going to make this and you're going to make this. And they have to make it as hyper realistic as they can. They make it and they have a panel of three judges that come on and the judges have to guess which one of these things on these pedestals is a cake. If they guess it, that person's disqualified. They don't win any money. If they don't guess this person's item on the pedestal, that person wins $5,000 and gets to move on to the final round called cake or cash. 
where they it's basically yeah. sudden death. They get they get to pick out of two different things, whether or not it's a cake or it's a bundle of cash. And it's just like different forms <laughs> of like a bundle of cash that they have to guess, guess which one is which. If they do guess it, they get an additional five thousand dollars. And if they won the prior one, they get to pick the other two bakers that they compete against in the next episode. Um, it is so over the top cheesy and ridiculous the host of the show is comedian mikey day from uh from some recent saturday night live stuff uh he is arguably the least funny human being i've ever seen in my life uh this show's perfect for him it shows absolutely perfect for him uh you don't need this in your life uh, <laughs> you, you really do not need this you in your don't. life. Uh, there's there's no reason to rush into watching this uh, whatsoever. I could maybe think of eight things on Netflix right now that are probably better spent uh, investing your time into. Uh, but <laughs> I needed a, a good palate cleanser in between episodes of Attack on Titan, the final season. And uh, <laughs> I started watching it when I was just like looking for something to like to watch while I was like eating lunch. I'm just like, you know, you know, how you do or like you've like you've got your meal and you're yeah. just like all right yeah. i'm not gonna start eating until i pick uh-huh. a show and yeah. then like your food starts to get cold so you just pick something <laughs> and so i landed on is it cake and uh, uh the the fact is that yeah most of it's cake there's a lot of cake there's a lot of cake it's a lot of cake These uh, people are really good at making the hyper realistic cakes though they, they do are. do an awesome job they it's do. fun it's, it's, it's completely mindless, but it's fun. <laughs> it's just ridiculous bullshit, but they do a great job. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it knows exactly what it is. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't try to pretend that it's more than it absolutely needs to be. Uh, yeah, so don't don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Uh, watch us when you have an, an extra minute. It's like thirty minute episodes. You know, d- d- don't be worried about it. If you want to guess what uh, what some <laughs> things are cake, um, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> if you're feeling like watching a baking show when and you don't want to, you know, invest the time into a better baking show, like, I don't know, the Great British Baking Show, <laughs> which is the one you should watch. You should be watching. Yeah, that's the one you should be watching. If you're going to watch a cake show, um, then sure, I guess, if you want to spend some time on this. But don't even you're not missing much. You're not missing much. You know, what you are missing, though, guys. Garrick, tell the people what we have next today. Ooh, next we have our headlining segment for today, The Gallows. Let's fucking go. And today, for The Gallows, everybody, we are talking the state of Disney slash Pixar movies. Guys, this is an open forum discussion. We're going to be talking and getting into the nitty gritty here. All three of us here are Disney fans. All three of us here are Pixar fans. All three of us have been very, very committed to these worlds and universes and characters that Disney and Pixar have been giving to us for generations now. Uh, Just we grew up on this stuff. We adore these stories. Um, We've had some recent content come from Disney slash Pixar. And I say that because Disney now owns Pixar. Um, We've had some more more recent content here. That has had a lot of people very spurred up about how much they love it, how ridiculous they think it is, um, how much fun it is, how much uh, uh, it's not quite as good as the originals. Some people think they're better than some of the older Disney stories we've gotten. Um, There's lots and lots of range of what we've gotten, and they all kind of move in different generations. I wanted to get a chance to talk to you guys a little bit about where you are sitting with Disney as of current day. 
Genesee, let's start with you. Let's kind of kick off just open forum. We'll talk as we talk. Genesee, where are you with Disney? Are you happy with Disney content right now? What could they be doing better? Well, so I think that we need to start this conversation by identifying that I am a Disney gay. Uh, that is the situation at hand. So yes. I really, I mean, not only did I grow up on Disney movies, on Pixar movies, like many of us, I also grew up uh, going to Disneyland because we lived like 45 minutes away from Disneyland. Lucky. Um, okay. Yeah, no, for real lucky. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm like, up, I love Disney. I also, um, as I have gotten older, have had issue with a lot of their older material, I think, as a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of their um, older, like, the classic movies uh, just didn't age well. Uh, it wasn't a good look for them. And also, Disney um, has been taking a little bit of, of, a, of a cool moment uh, trying to get with it and trying to figure out how they can keep up with the times of um creating content that people want creating content that people um enjoy um that is still like in their theme right that is still like kids and family friendly um coming of age stories and i think that the the really big change is that what we are considering a coming of age story and like a family movie um right. is expanding because we're actually recognizing more families and more stories and more people as you know valid stories that need to be told so um i really like the way that that pixar and disney have been evolving um i think that especially with pixar specifically it's actually a really natural progression um especially considering that pixar originally was not owned by disney and right. um they did have a switch and i personally i feel that the switch between Pixar and Disney Pixar um, was not bad. I think that Disney really took Pixar animations and, and continued what they were doing and making really incredible animated stories um, that follow very important themes. I mean, from every, from Toy Story, the way that Toy Story like grew up over and like progressed over our lifetimes and over Andy's lifetime was just, it was just phenomenal. Um, and then of course, now we're seeing more movies like, uh, for me, inside out was a turning point for Pixar. Really? Me, okay. I, okay. That's uh, hands down. Probably my favorite Pixar movie is inside out. Um, I love inside out. Now I have not yet read turning red. I am stoked to watch turning red god um, you're gonna love it you're gonna love it i'm so gonna much. love it yeah. i know i'm gonna love it naomi and i are gonna love it um we have a niece and nephew so we're we're trying to watch it with them um particularly our nephew because he's he's um a little over one so he really likes watching movies and listening to music and just knowing that there's like a whole boy band thing and they made actual boy band songs for this movie. I, I were, they really I'm did. They really I'm did it. Stoked. Um, I'm stoked for turning red. Um, Coco also also is really close up there with my with one of my favorite Pixar Fox, movies. Such a good movie. God damn. Such a good, oh, good. I, oh. My lap blanket that I use is a Coco oh, lap blanket. God, it's so like good dude. yeah yeah it's so good like they're they're good movies they're good movies period and pixar does something that is just they they, they lead animation 
That's just the situation. Pixar yeah. leads animation. And um, the way that they're progressing over time, I think, is is natural. And honestly, Pixar, um, even more so than Disney movies, I think is leading the charge in terms of making stories that are representative of people. Um, and, and not just people, but experiences, because a lot of their movies don't focus on people. They follow dinosaurs, and they follow fish, and they follow, you know, superhero people, and cars, yeah. for God's yep. sakes. Yep. But they're all, they're all meaningful stories that are so important, and I, I love it. Uh, what about y'all? I mean, like, I, I want to point out, first and foremost, for me, my, my turning point was Finding Nemo. That's, that's mm. when, that's when I was like, wow, like, Dude, they're, that's they're when really... I was same. I'm yeah. going to say the same. It, it's it's like you you see that and it's it is a it is a pinnacle in in animation, a pinnacle in storytelling, a, a pinnacle in character development. Like they they really delivered in that movie. That was my first time watching a Disney slash Pixar movie and being like, holy shit, like animated movies aren't just for kids anymore. Like, oh, no, like, like that's. Uh. That's the one I was like, fuck, like, I'm going to be an adult and still watch Disney movies because, like, they they found a way to tell stories that, like, children can still grasp grasp the lessons and, like, the moral agenda of what's going on. And adults can still go into it and feel some level of personal attachment to what's happening in the story that they're telling. And how beautiful is that? You know what I mean? Like, that, that we can watch, like, this these movies that our entire lives growing up, like we thought were made for us as kids. And now they're sort of growing with us where like, we can still say they're still for us. You know, mm -hmm. they found, a, they found a way to still tell us these stories that we can fall in love with. Um, granted, I personally, yeah. I personally don't quite love the, a lot of the Disney Pixar movies that have come out of recent as much as I do some of the older ones personally. Um, there, there, I feel like there is a shift, but I'll get into that a little bit later. Garrick, what about you, dude? Uh, I don't, it's tough. I'm like, I go through like spurts. I feel like Disney Pixar for like me and like, for Jesus, Genesee. <laughs> She's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> no, but like, I've always, I've always had like this relationship where like, I, my like personal relationship with like Disney Pixar, like always been like peaks and valleys where like, there will be like an era of Pixar films where like, that I absolutely love. Yes. Uh, and it, for like, it was for me, like, like the 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 one that like first really comes to memory where like I really started to fall like love love Disney Pixar was like Finding Nemo Monsters Inc like The Incredibles mm -hmm. like uh, that era and then like there was some other ones where like it started to get kind of picky like in like I just they didn't quite <coughs> hit like Cars and or like uh, planes like there were some like offshoots but then there was like there were some gems in that era like Ratatouille. Um, mm that was just and brave i like i love brave and very uh, good movie. like very good movie. and then like and then again like uh i loved coco um but like finding dory didn't really do it for me i thought luca was like a super cute movie but like it was just it felt like it was just a super cute movie um, but then there's like some other ones like like Onward that just I cried. That shit tore I me apart, man. That was a cried. fucking rough experience. That was rough. Like and so like like those ones like that just hit like can just like like unequivocally hit for anybody. Like Onward, um 
Coco Soul Inside Out. Oh, yeah. Soul. Like, yeah. Like all of those, all of those just super deep cut films. And like those are like always going to be the standouts. But like there was definitely I I like the era of like informative, emotional message Pixar over like just for the fun Pixar, like a bug's life and stuff. And like I, I, I like that, like there's there's more like and this is this is going to sound kind of like worky to me, but like I like the social emotional like learning part. Because yeah. like it's it's a tool that like anybody can use and still like grasp something from it that can be beneficial to like your life. Mm-hmm. That's fair. It's got like yeah. some sort of positive message. And like I just I don't know. I like I love that like that's always been and like Disney like th- and they've always had their issue. They, they've had like colossal issues with like representation. And like I like in the past, just like Genesee said, and I'm super grateful that they've really, really broken away from that. And they've done that mostly in part to like the fact that the employees of Disney now just, they say shit and it like, and, yeah. and, it, and, and it makes change happen. Like I have absolutely loved, like soul was so good. I loved turning red. Like, yeah. the, like yeah. I, so I watched this by myself. Same retweet. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I literally, I was literally like laying in bed. And like I'm watching this, and like like there's like three or four times where like I'm like I'm like tearing up. I'm just like God, damn it! Like <laughs> fuck you, mom. Fuck you. <laughs> it did, but like it's just I've always loved I've always loved Disney Pixar messages. I I've I greatly appreciate the diversity and like the shift in direction that like the the messages they're they're choosing to represent now are much more in the front. Like the, it's not. They don't need to be subtle about it anymore. Like it can, you can still have a positive upfront message, and it still be fun and light and entertaining. Very much so. Very much yeah. so. It's it's wild to think about because the very, it's like think about this: the very first Disney movie to have ever come out was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1943. Yeah, and it's like to think of how far we've come since then. Hundreds of Disney movies have technically come out all just like in complete yeah. different like format style stories, like what have you. And it, it's like in comparison to think about, it, it's like the amount of just absolute bops in comparison is actually kind of few and far between. Like there, like there's, there's way, there's way more like, eh, sure. Like, mm-hmm. like mid type Disney movies. And there are absolute bangers up until really we get into the into the 90s. So like yeah. for 50 years Disney was like doing like eh, okay and then something hit and they figured out a formula like coming from I don't know I'd argue maybe The Lion King was really their first time that they were like okay like we we can we can see what we do as far as animated storytelling and then like somewhere somewhere I in really, the 90s I think- Toy Story was like the big leap. I feel like. Yeah, I think that, that I think wasn't that's fair. Disney. The uh, Toy Story. Yeah, was that, not Disney. that was that was Pixar, that was Pixar. before. Oh, th- no, that's right. Yeah. That was before. Yeah. You're yeah. you're right. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like like well, they they really committed to that that direction, and then I think the first Disney Pixar like f- like triple A movie was a Bug's Life. Uh... 
I don't think so. No, they. I want to say they bought it in 2003. Well, A Bug's Life is listed as a Disney Pixar movie. Yeah, it does. Uh, say, it does say Disney Pixar. Um. So Disney bought Pixar in on January 24th, 2006. <sighs> then I wonder Band why. Of, I, wonder, I don't know why. Yeah, oh, that's that's I weird. Think, I oh, think they, they just changed their listings because of the acquisition now. Yeah. Oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah, that could potentially be it. I mean, reg- regardless, too, though, like that was fucking hype. And then, like, they really started ramping up, like really, really ramping up in like the animated department, mm-hmm. seeing that, like, that's kind of what people were wanting. They came out with Bugs Life. They came out with Tarzan, Toy Story 2, <clears throat> the Tigger movie. Dinosaur was like the CG animated thing. Emperor's New Groove. Uh, and the oh, Recess movie. that movie. Yeah. Dude, uh, Atlantis, uh, fucking phenomenal movie. They got their paws on Spirited Away, uh, Monsters Inc. Like they, they really Lilo and Stitch. You know, fucking two thousand and two. Oh yeah, okay. I I did look it up, and I can confirm that Toy Story was in fact the first Disney Pixar collaboration animated film in nineteen ninety. Okay, uh, so, five is when they oh, started. So they, so they used the same okay. animators. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that okay. was their that first sense. collaborative effort. That makes sense. Yeah, and yep. it's just it's just there's so there's so many bops from that point forward. And then we yeah. and then they started kind of committing like half and half a little bit more into their uh their live action stuff with Pirates of the Caribbean. And me and Garrick, we can tell you, we oh. love us some Pirates oh. of the Caribbean, baby. Let's look, go. we know some of the later ones aren't good, but you I you know we own both of them just, on DVD I, and they probably get watched regularly. Every <laughs> single fucking one of those pirates movies, I promise you I'm here for it. On like, the shelf, right? Right over here. Yeah, listen, right fucking behind me, dog. Like I got them on lock, dude. It is it is wild. Like they dude (laughs) Disney Disney's done the fucking thing. But like what I was saying earlier about feeling very, I don't know, almost jaded about our current day Disney content stuff as we kind of get closer to like the 2010s, not including Marvel stuff, because Mar- Marvel, like, I'm, I'm putting that off to the side for the yeah. segment of the conversation here, like, because we know how we all feel about Marvel. That's that's a whole other fucking ball game. When it oh, comes yeah, to that's its own thing. Yeah, when it, when it when it comes to the animated side of of Disney and their movies and like the stories that they want to tell there, there's something about their content. I think kind of hits for me. I want to say starting with Brave, actually, mm-hmm. that I was like, I don't know if I like this as much, like the this style, really? this style of storytelling. Like, Bra- I do like Brave. I don't know if I like its story like nearly as much as I like some of the older stuff. And I and I, I can't pinpoint if it's because of the way that they tell the story. Well, and, or, if you think about it, a lot of early Disney, like early Disney stuff, was almost direct like translation of Shakespeare. So the storytelling piece was already there, but this was around the time that like Disney started to really experiment with their own storytelling. Yeah. (laughs) This is probably, and like, and, and, um, brave was actually an interesting thing because it was, it was like a sister studio. Like it wasn't true Pixar. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and and the thing is too, is I can, you can kind of see a pattern where they, they got, they got dipped into Pixar stuff and they started focusing a little bit less on the music in Disney movies. And for me, like 
thinking back when I was a kid, the music was sort of like everything for me in Disney mm-hmm. movies. Like watching these characters sort of play out this this theatrical, overdramatic thing uh, that of, of storytelling through song was what I really appreciated Disney movies for a whole lot. And they sort of like dimmed it down when they sort of started. They they bought out Pixar and they started tag teaming these stories because we got things like The Incredibles, which is nothing about music. Uh, Bolt had nothing about music. Cars was nothing really about music. Um, and the and the story is The Incredibles is a fucking good movie. And so like 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 and that that was you know a little bit I further behind cars. Brave. I do love Cars. And like, only the, for I, just I the first one, just yeah, the first, just the first one. one, yeah, yeah. only the first. I do like yeah. the first one. Now, this now, really fun. Mor- Morbid says I'm waiting for the Alien slash <laughs> slash Disney slash Pixar crossover. Now that Disney owns yeah. Fox, yeah, I did. I remember people joking like because Disney owns Fox now, that technically means that the Xenomorph Queen is a Disney princess. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like I like that too. I do like that too. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like there, there's some there's some stuff that like that hits a little bit for me off and on, but then like that gap hits. And after that gap for me is done, it comes back and I'm like sold again, I think. on Which here. movie came back for you? Well, that's what I'm looking at now. I, I, uh-huh. I think I think I was along for the ride again with with Finding Dory. And I was like, yes, give me that. Give me that follow up story. Give that me that follow up story. And then Moana, they obviously bring uh-huh. back an, a new focus on the musical side of things. Even though I wasn't a huge fan on some of the music and a majority of the music in Moana, I was still here for the fact that they were still back to storytelling through song. Um, but from that point forward, it's it's sort of like hit or, hit or miss for me. I really like Soul. I really like Inside Out. <clears throat> but like, there, there's there's just something there that is like that is troubling me and i can't quite tell if it's the style of storytelling or not you know what oh, i mean dude, like, those <clears throat> those two movies like i they're very different like they're they're very sure. emotionally driven films which sure. like which uh, uh is what like, i think that's why they they resonate with a pretty different audience like those two movies in particular like those speak to like the traumatized child in me a little bit sure. more yeah. than yeah. like the, like the feel good, like movies like that, like lean back into the, the music. And I love those, but like, I, I, they're like, I, they're like almost like apples and oranges to me, like in the way that they choose to tell the story. And so like, they're, I love them for very different reasons. I understand sure. like the deterrence for like the, the Disney Pixar films, like inside out and soul though. Why? Yeah. I don't know. It's like that the, the era of like Wally and the Incredibles and Ratatouille and Finding Nemo. Like that era is like peak Disney for me as far as like being in my like early, like early teen teen years, like 13, 14, 15. Like those those parts fucking hit. But when I got out of high school, <clears throat> there's this like era of Disney movies. That I was like, OK, sure. You know, like like Up is a very, very good story. That story is fucking heartbreaking. But everything after that is very picky choosy for me. Like Luca, I'm not that interested in Luca. I tried and I was like, sure, like this is okay. But like, it's, it's not peak Disney for me. Like there's something about it that just does not speak to me. Coco is phenomenal inside out even kind of has like, it's, it's kind of like upper mid for me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like I, I almost feel more connected to the shorts that they've been doing 
than mm-hmm. I am like a, ma- a majority of their movies that come out. Um, like Onward was a sleeper for me. I didn't watch Onward until it was already out for like eight months, oh, dude. Like really, mm-hmm, because oh. I just I saw that it. And was, I was like, that doesn't look like it speaks to me at all. And I finally that gave was it a originally shot and, the last was... movie I saw before the pandemic. Like a way into full effect. Yeah, was Onward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The, the way I feel about about like the newer movies in terms of like before I watch them is a lot like what you're describing or now where I see the trailers. When I saw the trailer for inside out, I honestly didn't know what the fuck was happening. The yeah. only reason I watched it is because, uh, my little brother was, Oh God, how old was he? He was, he was pretty young. He was probably about 12 ish. Let's sure. estimate 12 ish, maybe 11 when it, when it came out. And so we went to the drive-in and it was, it was summer. It was a summer release. I was home for the summer from school and, and we went and saw it at the drive-in and I'm sitting there in the back of my mom's fucking SUV bawling my eyes out because I'm like, my friendship, I'm just crumbling. <laughs> I have no friends. <laughs> It was just like emotional distress, but I had before I had no inkling to to watch that. Same with um, like Onward, Soul. I probably like I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, act that actually looks interesting. But like Luca, like so many of them, it's like the trailers don't do it justice. The like any the promo materials don't seem to do them justice. You really have to watch it. And experience it. I also think something that stands out to me with the newer ones that uh, for me, it really changes right around brave. I think is when they start really targeting this overarching theme of um, like familial trauma and generational trauma. Yeah. Like, like, like filial piety is a very, very big, like, talking point that they have, like, nowadays, where it's, like, even Turning Red is very directly, like, speaking on, like, a dialogue around filial piety. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, that's the concept of, I was explaining this to Garrick and Devin, um, is honoring your elders in your family just for the sake of them being elders in your family. And that's a very, very big cultural thing in Asian cultures. Um, Like, you, you, you do everything your parents say strictly based on the fact that they're your parents and there's no there's no other other no regardless of how much of an asshole your parents being you do it because they're your parent and that's a really big talking point in disney and disney pixar content right now and i appreciate that but i also feel like it's something that we've been doing for so long now that like i'm ready for them to adventure into other stuff which is why i appreciate things like onward and Mm -hmm. soul that are a little bit less about those things. Big hero six was like, not necessarily about those things. It was, it was more so about like figuring out your friends and like, they do such a good job when they stray away from those stories. You know, you actually probably need to, so you have, you watched Luca? Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 Yeah. Just wasn't my thing. You know, I feel like, and I was, I was just about to talk about this too. So I find it funny that you asked about that. I feel like with Luca for me, um, I loved Luca. It was I actually have a little Luca right here because we were cleaning cleaning and we found him. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I love the the message of childhood, like honoring your childhood friendships that like that represents. Yeah, right, but right. it also, I mean, for me, when I watched Luca, I saw a story of found family, um, and I saw a story of creating your own name for yourself outside of the family that you're born into, and. 
um, where does your family fit in when you grow up and make your own? Right. Right. Um, right. Uh, I also, I, I think I've talked about this before here. I, when I watched Luca, I was sitting here like, this kid's gay, right? And luckily, a lot of the internet also was like, yeah, this kid's gay, right? And Pixar yeah. was like, there, There's a whole maybe? conversation around that. Yeah, dude. Like, it's maybe? Like, and I was like, what do you layers, mean, maybe? Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I digress. I digress. Sure, sure, so, sure. So that, that for me, like, and I think it really depends on the viewer, which is what's really special about Pixar movies is that, like, all three of us watched it and got something different yeah. from it. You yeah. know, we and we picked different messages. Like we we were watching totally different movies, um, to some extent, you know. And I think I, that that's Pixar does that excellently. They, they do they it do. excellently. They do, yeah, very much. Which so. is why, like, I've seen. I haven't watched Turning Red yet, but I have seen some of the dialogue around it, and I think that that's what the naysayers aren't getting is that like one of the big like critics that sparked a lot of this debate was saying like oh it's not a universal story i'm like okay man whatever i got something out of that yeah well yeah, yeah. and it was like it was also this dude like coming in <clears throat> talking about a, a story of a young teenage girl coming into puberty which is an amazing story that we never fucking get yeah i'm like so stoked and he's out here like oh well i didn't relate to it so it's not universal go shut the fuck up well, it's, it's like did, did you, yeah, did did you, you not, not relate yeah did. did you did you not have friends when you were a kid do you not have a mom like do did you, do you, you not, like, like, do not struggle with rebellion? you're telling right. me there was no there was no aspect of your life that you felt like was embarrassing you wanted to hide it from other people there yeah. was like a part of you you chose not to accept yeah like that's one of the many messages of this film and if you can't pull something from that like that's on you <laughs> That's yeah. on you. Yeah. And, and and honestly, like on a serious note, if if you are watching that movie particularly and you're you're watching it and you're like, oh, I can't gleam anything from this. This is so unrelatable. I think you should sit with that. And you should think, why is it that I'm watching this amazing film about a young uh, Asian girl in in Canada and I find it so unrelatable? Why is that? Um yeah, it, it like I, I think a lot of times like because we're we're Disney fans because we appreciate the the storytelling that we're getting through the these characters that are brand new to us. We've never experienced them before, unless it's like a direct sequel. We get new characters that we can invest ourselves into and we find that connection of overarching themes, how they're trying to tell that story. And there's a lot of it's because we we can appreciate the creativity and the storytelling basis of these Disney movies. These people that like are so overcritical of 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 Disney movies in the sense of like I want to feel a personal attachment to it is is where I'm like all right like you're 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 in for Disney movies for a lot of the wrong reasons to me where I'm like you're you're in it because you're trying to like find a personal reason to enjoy it. We're like, we're into it because we just genuinely love their ability to tell us a story, to tell us a narrative in the same yeah. way that we get of reading a book. Like, I don't need exactly. to well, and being go, go able ahead. to like see a Disney film and like I my favorite my, I, I always love like the raps, the raps on Disney Pixar films, because like it like it, it always brings the story back into focus. And it, like it, it like it gives you like, a, you know, a fun way to explain like what this film was like really about. And like Turning Red does an excellent job of that. Mm -hmm. And like it's just like, I don't know, like just being able to like it just enjoy the story and like 
be able to just be open-minded enough to like accept the message, even if maybe it wasn't one that was for you this time, because it's not about you all the time, you mm-hmm. idiot. Mm-hmm. That like knowing that like there's people out there that like you can you can understand the message, you can sympathize with the message and respect it, and realize that there are people that are gonna like that are that are gonna glean something from this. Like that's what I've always loved about Disney Pixar. And if you can't you can't see that, that's on. I I also think there's something with that that like there was a conversation that I saw um, around Turning Red, but that has been a really big conversation with all Disney movies is um, particularly in religious circles and and particularly Christian circles is the ones that I've been been around seeing is that like with Turning Red, there were so many like Christian moms being like. This, I wish I would have watched this before I showed it to my children because this is not appropriate for children. It's so rebellious and so inappropriate. The the mature content of yeah, puberty. I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry. Even Christians get their period. Then. Right. Even Christians get their period. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so- and sorry, your Christian like... child is probably going to rebel. It could be at different, different ends, but your Christian child is going to rebel, especially when you smother them and 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 treat them like shit because Helicopter. the regular human emotions that they're feeling you're villainizing in film that yeah. shows things to your children and that's not okay and i think that that's you know earlier Ernell, you were talking about the kind of like history of like starting with snow white down um there's a there's an aspect of this conversation that is like where disney studios comes from disney studios comes from a part of southern california that is incredibly like conservative it is incredibly conservative it is largely populated by mega churches it has some of the highest concentration of mega churches in the entire united states um and it is I mean, it's just, it's, it's quite the place. It's quite the place, um, in Anaheim, California is where they, where they started. Um, and that also it was started by Walt Disney, right? So there's, there's a part of this that like the people who were originally like saw Disney as theirs were people who identified with heavy Christian values. That's a, that's a very big thing. And I think as, as, Disney and as Pixar evolves, they're stepping out of that and they're stepping into a bigger conversation um, and being like, we're about family values and not Christian family values, um, which is a big pivot, um, I think. And especially there's there's a movie that I really wanted to like put on your radar today, which is uh, something that's coming out on April 1st. Uh Uh-huh. On Disney Plus, and it's called Better Nate Than Never, and it is Disney's first ever film that has a lead star who is out as gay, um, and he is a 15-year-old boy who is just the cutest thing who plays this lead in this children's story about like uh, coming of age and like trying to make it on Broadway, and it's just it looks so cute and wholesome, um, and I I think that that and Turning Red and Encanto all coming out like in such a close. Mm-hmm. period of time for me shows what Disney's talking about family. Yeah. They're talking about family values and they're trying to talk about modern family values. Right. And what different family values can look like. And, and how to keep that from being archaic anymore. Right. Like, because there's, there's a lot of dynamics to touch there. There's a lot of dynamics to touch there before we end off things here too. I want to talk a little bit just very briefly about how, 
over the course of the next year, we have very minimal animated Disney content rolling out. Um, there is one called Strange World uh, that is uh, bioed by uh, the legendary Clades, our family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and most crucial mission, uh, which sounds interesting. I also want to point out the only person casted for that so far is Alan Tudyk. <laughs> <laughs> the man who does I'm pretty sure he like he's just on retainer at Disney at this like, point, right? I swear, dude, Pirate Steve is just Ugh. out here doing every <laughs> animal voice in every Disney movie now. It is fucking hilarious that he this man went to Juilliard. Like he went to Juilliard and he is now like every animal in every Disney movie ever, period, ever. It is fucking hilarious. Uh which is funny too, because I'm gonna look up this one. There is an untitled Disney animation movie called the Familiars uh, is kind of like loosely uh, the book that it's going to be based on. Uh, they haven't come up with a complete title for the movie, but it's going to be based on the Familiars. Um, and there is one actress set up for that, and that's Anna Tenney. Um, and uh, I'm not sure exactly who, like what else she's been in. Let me look here. Uh, she's, oh, oh, she was the girl in Palmer, and she's been in Lucy. Okay. Okay, I can see that. All right, that's that's pretty cool. So there's two things, two animated pieces of Disney content because we have a slate of Marvel and Star Wars shit that's rolling out over the course of the next year. Um, and I think that's going to be kind of be their big focus for the next year on top of the live action remake stuff. So like we have Pinocchio, Peter Pan and Wendy. Um, the Lightyear movie comes out. That's kind of like a cool take on some content we've already gotten our title that we've gotten already Chippendale is coming back uh we have a new live action thing called sneakerella um uh better nate than never is coming out uh like there's there's a lot there's lots of live action stuff that we're going to be getting here oh the, the little mermaid remake that's going to be fun uh, i'm so skeptical of like the live action remakes i go see them yeah. all but that shit's so hit or miss oh they're doing a snow white a snow white remake uh there's it's like there there's they're kind of like ebbing and flowing and into this like sort of thing of like oh we know you guys still love animated disney's content but hey, let's talk about some of this live action stuff too. How do you make a live action Snow White that's not misogynistic? Oh, that's man. a question. Yeah, that is a question, and unfortunately, it's not a question we really have a lot of time to talk about. Because <laughs> um, we we could go a whole other headlining segment talking about the misogyny and ridiculousness of Disney having just bonkers values from their older content from the night from fucking 1943 you know what i mean like it's it's or 1934 sorry it, it's just it's just ridiculous shit that we could go into on that end but uh with that said guys we love disney movies i can't wait to see more disney i can't wait to get more marvel more star wars more animated disney stuff more i'm fine i'm fine with the idea of like checking out this little mermaid stuff i want to check out better neat than ever it's i'm interested in this stuff like i, th I think it's really fun and I, I i think i hope you guys at home uh love disney content just as much as we do um <clears throat> more of it said earlier i resent those remarks uh did you not have friends did you not have a mom <laughs> don't see me like that <laughs> you you might not have had a mom morbid but you do have our schedule for next week we have on tuesday <laughs> we have <laughs> it was awful we love you Marvin. Uh. we love you dog next tuesday we have another good cracking podcast we're gonna be talking about what's up 
with PlayStation Spartacus. So the little rant that we had earlier between me and Garrick is going to be me and Garrick and Devin here to rant with you guys about this PlayStation bullshit of them competing with Game Pass. Going to be doing that next Wednesday is going to be another Ocean Shrine story time. But this time I'm doing some Destiny 2, baby. Let's fucking go. I'm going to be playing some Destiny 2 with you guys. It's going to be fun. Uh, Garrick, you were going to jump in. I saw you. You had a reaction. Oh, gonna be like, oh dude, yeah, I do. Like, he's got to make a stream for it because that's the only time he's going to get to play. It's the only time I'm going to be able to get to play because for other reasons. Uh, Thursday, you guys did it during our charity stream last night. You guys have officially earned an absolutely wonderful little gift here. A live episode of The Shipwreck Show will be here 7 p.m. Pacific time right here at twitch.tv slash goodcrackingshow uh, doing a live recording of The Shipwreck Show for you guys to come in and do that. Uh, it is a lot of fun. We hope you guys have a lot of fun with us. It's it's going to be ridiculous. It always is for Shipwreck. Always, always is ridiculous always. So come in, hang out with us. It's going to be a good time. On Friday, we got another episode of Splash Damage where we will be doing tiny tina's wonderlands again and this time full-on multiplayer this time we'll probably do some fucking role play with you guys it's gonna be a fucking good episode now that multiplayer is actually working uh and not like you know the hour and a half we spent not playing together last night uh this will not be a train wreck i promise you or it might be who knows uh and the yeah, next saturday we have another good cracking podcast where we will be doing morbius review <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy uh i know Look, me and i know me and genesee are gonna know, be there for that uh just know yes. that that ernell and genesee and devin are all gonna hate it and i'm gonna like it because I i'm like not them. gonna hate it i'm not gonna Genesee's hate it, gonna hate it. Me, i know i'm gonna hate it i know i'm gonna hate it i'm super here look i'm ready i i can't pass up i can't pass up a vampire movie like i just can't pass up a vampire movie and not be hyped for it dude i can't yeah man i said that about I twilight can't. once upon a time uh hey, <laughs> i don't hate the twilight I films twilight. i don't hate I, them. I don't necessarily hate I them either i might have a love i hate hate, I hate the books i hate the fucking books a whole lot because they're just very oh, not yeah. well-written books it's just very not good books the worst oh, god horrible um yeah good do, do, do yourself a favor and stay I'm that not way missing anything. uh garrick Gar Gar are you gonna be joining us for that review next saturday morbius i do believe so i do believe so. okay sounds good sounds good you let us know you let us know and you guys at home let us know your thoughts on disney and pixar's content uh which what which which disney pixar movies are your favorite which ones do are you are do you feel are not doing disney and pixar some justice uh what are some ones that you're anticipating uh let us know join our discord hang out with us on there tweet at us let us know all this stuff do it in the comments down below if you've uh, lasted here through the end of the, uh, the video here. Uh, in the meantime, y'all, this has been the Good Kraken Podcast. Your choice for all the nerdy video game and pop media news, reviews, and discussions that you wanted to hear live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. and Saturday at 12 p.m. right here at twitch.tv slash show. If you enjoyed the show, you can he head on over to patreon.com slash show where you can submit questions to topics of the show, get exclusive post-show content, and have early access to episodes before they go live on podcasts and video services across the digital sea. Yarg. Thank you, Garrick. You can also support us by going to our YouTube channel by clicking YouTube, YouTube, is the new is the new name YouTube YouTube, uh, YouTube. By, by clicking that beautiful bell and big red button or by subscribing to our podcast channel by searching Good Kraken with an exclamation mark and leaving a review there. We gotta head on out of here. We're not doing a post show because goddamn we did it again. But until next time, my friends, be good to each other. Bye. Bye.